Welcome to the Academy of Esports with James O'Hagan. He's on fire. Boom shakalaka. Welcome to the Academy of Esports podcast. I am your host, James O'Hagan. And in this episode, I have Hillary Fan with us today. She is the program operations manager for GG Tech, but she is also, I think, putting some time into some fast, fantastic organizations. Number one, she is the assistant operations manager for AnyKey, and AnyKey is an organization that is near and dear to my heart. Also, she is the Director of Diversity and Inclusion at Voice, and Voice is an organization that is dedicated to promoting the good things in esports at the intercollegiate scholastic level. Hillary, thank you for being a guest in the Academy of Esports podcast today. Yeah, thanks for bringing me out. You are probably as OG as I am in the uh, scholastic esports space. You You have a long history that goes way back to UCI esports, and we're talking like 2017, 18? Yeah, like, uh, around then. I spent around five years, uh, both as an intern and full-time staff working for UCI Sports. Yeah, so you have a very deep history in this space. Um, people I know who know you find you to be incredibly engaging. They, they, you're, you're well-respected. And as an added bonus, you get to be on the symposium at Purdue University on April 8th, Games Make a Difference. Uh, as a speaker on our diversity and inclusion panel, which I think is a fantastic get, I must say. So I want to thank you for that, Hillary, in advance. No, it's a total honor on my behalf. There's uh, a lot of really great experts there that I'm so excited to like really meet and learn from. Yeah. Well, and the purpose of this today is to allow us the opportunity to get to know you and so that the people can say the same thing about you, about getting sure, to know sure. you and meet you. Because sometimes in a panel discussion, people's voices get lost. And again, with all these great people, we want to make sure that nobody's voice is lost. So we're doing a little bit of a podcast uh, presentation just for uh, to give our all of our panelists the opportunity to share some more depth to their ideas. But I've been always starting off with kickoff questions just so we could see where everybody is on our panels. And I'm not going to hold this against anybody when we get to the panel discussions and throw these out Mm -hmm. at people. So, uh, but here come our questions. Number one, what is a game? And it doesn't have to be a video game that stands out as having been important to you at some point in your life. Why was that experience meaningful? My favorite game of all time is Undertale. Um, Yes. 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 Uh, I, I played it without knowing anything about the story. Um, I, I tend to love indie games, so uh, trying to do all the completionist things. Uh, I fell in love with the characters, um, and I, I was really intrigued by the concept of playing a game uh, without having to hurt anyone. Uh, did you know so that I, going into the game, though? Yeah, I did. Uh, it I was didn't. part of the advertisement. It was like, oh, uh, like, what if you could, like, not hit them or whatever so I was like okay I'll try that way um and it was you know they have a bunch of like really fun interactions like where you're shaking your hips at at a creature or whatever um so uh it it was just super charming all the way through and then uh it it gets to the reveals and the way it uh flips the script on on a lot of things um uh when they uh told you what exp stood for like that was a gut punch like it hit um, and I was just bawling through the end of the story, uh, and even like the way they like messed with the UI and stuff. Like I just thought it was such a great uh, thinking outside of the box, you know, um, and really changing your perspective on on games. Um, and now, like it, it seriously has changed me to uh, where when I approach new games now, especially indies, I'm like super suspicious. I'm like, okay, am I am I committing evil acts right now? Um, yeah. <laughs> 
I, it's not just that the music is fantastic. Yes, I love music. Um, The other thing that I really, uh, the first time I played it through, I got it on a neutral because I didn't pick up on the nonviolent. So my kids, I found out about it through my kids. My son, my son went as Sans one year uh, for Halloween and um, I didn't pick up on, on anything until I started playing it. But then I played it again the second time and I played it on a pacifist and really loved it. The problem was that I started to try play genocide. Oh, I, I could cr- never. I can't. I can't. You love these characters so yeah. much. You can't possibly, unless you're really just like, okay, I really want to see how this goes. But I could not do the genocide mode. It just yeah. hurt me too much. Yeah. Even the end where it's like when you when you finish the pacifist route and it's like, okay, uh, the only person who can ruin this for us is you. Like if you restart the game. And so I've never played the game again. Like I, I just watched like replays, but I can't do it. Like I, I am very emotional and, and I get attached. So yeah, I have my original save file and everything. All right. Well, you're, you're more OG on that than I am. So that, <laughs> there you go. Oh, uh, well, second question. Maybe it's totally eccentric or maybe it's quite traditional. What's your superpower? That thing you do better than most people, or what's the thing that you wish you could do better than most people? So uh, I, I kind of teased this in the first answer, actually, but I, I feel like my superpower is feelings. Um, I'm really good at connecting with people uh, on an individual individual level, um, being able to uh, have the space and empathy for their motives, for where they're coming from, stuff like that. Uh, that's why I love working with students um, and uh, my work in DEI. Like uh, I really care about people and and giving them the ability to be themselves wherever they are. Yeah. Okay. And uh, I, I, I would agree with that, knowing what I know about you. Yes, you you are very, I would say, empathetic about everything and, and everybody. Um, what? Okay. Now we, we, I gave you the, I gave you this question yeah, ahead yeah. of time, just, but only like for a couple of minutes before we started the right. talk, but you really searched this one out and I really like this answer. Yes. Name one song. Whenever it hits your speakers, you're going to sing along to it. And my answer was uh, everything from Steven Universe. I, I adore that show. More on the feelings and stuff. More on the uh, just like really great messaging um, and the way it flips the scripts on certain things. The way it talks about like uh, trauma and relationships. I just adored everything about that show. I, I watch it pretty regularly as as like a comfort show. Uh, that's that's a fantastic comfort show too. And again, yeah. if it's one you. I'll, I will bet that if you have teenage kids, cause I know my, my teenage kids know that show fairly well, yeah. uh, ask them about it. It is a very different cartoon than yes. anything you might've ever seen. See for me, yeah. the, the very different cartoon for me growing up, my teenage years was Ren and Stimpy but <laughs> yeah, for yeah. completely different, for completely different reasons, because it was super violent and super gross. So uh, Steven universe, not super violent, not super gross. Um, but again, that was the nineties. Um, so now, uh, final question, what's that one thing in your field that surprises people when they first hear about it? Again, you're working for GG tech, but mm-hmm. you're involved with any key you're involved with voice, um, all these things that you're involved in. So as you're, as you make your way through this space, again, somebody who started in the UCI program, what has been that thing, I guess, that, that you still maybe to this day find people are very surprised about I think that there's so many things, but I think the one I want to talk about is um, the the wealth of like academia and studies and papers out there. Um, like 
I, I consider my field, yes, esports and gaming, but uh, I'm, I'm trying to focus more on uh, social justice matters and things like that. Um, and, you know, people are always asking the same questions or, or doing the same mistakes, and we have papers on them. Um, you know, we have, uh, like, debates every few months about, like, oh, should we have uh, women's only tournaments or whatever? And, and we have academic papers, like, back that up, right? Um, so I, I think that's the part I want to highlight today uh, is that, like, we don't have to reinvent the wheel all the time, right? Uh, so we can borrow from other fields, but we can also like look at academia that are studying games. Like they have written history and research and theories and all this stuff. Um, it's really cool. Well, I still, even today, um, I have a debate going on with, well, I shouldn't call it a debate, a disagreement with even some of my own esports general managers uh, around the idea of, we have a student who graduated early, mm-hmm. finished up, all of his schoolwork in January. And uh, I was asked, well, can he still be allowed to play for the spring? I said, absolutely. He's not enrolling in college. There's, there shouldn't be any punishment mm-hmm. uh, for finishing your high school early. However, finding now that in fact, in the state of Wisconsin, now we're not a part of the Wisconsin Interscholastic Athletic Association, but in order to participate in any spring sports, you would have to be enrolled as a full-time student. I don't see the value of that. Again, why would we want to punish a kid for for graduating high school early and um, and again, allowing them to finish out? Um, but it's still interesting that the, these athletic uh, things still, even though because the word sports is on it, it, it still kind of finds its way into the, the yeah. conversations. But again, that doesn't redefine athletic culture. I mean, our athletic culture already in this country is primarily very... Uh, gender specific, ability specific. Um, what in your experience, again, through all these years, again, coming up in the collegiate ranks, have you seen where, as you just kind of alluded to, we don't have to reinvent the wheel, but there's definitely things that esports is reinventing in a lot of ways, isn't there? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, well, more, more broadly speaking, I would say uh, it, it's that we have so many young, passionate people entering the space. Um, we have a lot of uh, CEOs and business owners that don't really have a lot of experience and just kind of got lucky when things were starting out. They had the momentum. They were uh, the trailblazers or whatever. And now they hold these uh, huge household names and stuff. Um, and it's just that we, we don't have the experience. Uh, one, one of the easiest... Um, comparisons I can make is, is with our coaches. Uh, all our coaches are super young, like teens, 20s. Um, and, you know, they don't have that like mentorship experience. They think because they can play this game really well, they can now teach it to other people. Uh, but but teaching itself is a skill. Um, but they're taking all these roles and then they're getting experience, you know, um, but they're not really looking at. Uh, and again, we don't have to copy it exactly, but there is some value to like exploring uh how other coaches are trained in different fields or or to just even look at like mentorship or whatever i feel like so many people are just so excited to do the thing that they're not really looking at like okay how can i do this thing even better like what can i learn from well even i think the conversation around diversity and inclusion has been forwarded a lot through gaming and through esports i know that's that's where a lot of your focus is uh, obviously right now what should we be doing right now to, I guess, change status status quo? What are some of the easy or some of the hard, even some of the hard conversations maybe? There, I'm sure there's easy conversations that have been had um, if it's just simply 
well, let's just make sure that everybody has feels safe in the space. Well, when, whenever somebody says a safe space, I go safe for whom, yeah. you know, that's, yeah. that's always the follow-up question. Um, but as, as again, as we start to make DEI something that is so important in this space, and it's kind of like the hallmark of it, what are some of the things we should be doing right now? The number one thing that would help everything, uh, I think, is I think we've lost our focus on community. Um, we we should be like working together. We should be trying to listen to each other. Uh, but there's just so much like competitiveness in the space. Um, so much like trying to sell a product to people. Uh, we need to involve students in the room. We need to involve uh, people of different identities in the room. We need to focus again on on community, on the different communities. Um, and then from there, like once you're focused on them, then you can authentically make uh, programs for them, right? Like, let's let's not make it an esports dress for women with a room full of guys who've never consulted anyone, right? Uh, it's that sort of idea, right? Like, uh, for an easy thing to do, um, I think people should, uh, I know lots of esports on Twitter, uh, follow different people. Like, don't, don't just follow the same people who look like you who are in your roles like go follow a trans streamer go follow a black streamer like that's how you're going to get involved in the community and learn about the issues like if, if you actually expose yourself to them well but has again in, in all your years of doing this let me ask, let me back up a little bit because again as you're saying you know get involved in these, these spaces before you ended up at uci were you would you consider yourself a gamer Okay. What, and what was your game in high school? I guess then what was, what was the, what was your relationship with gaming growing up? Uh, I, I would consider myself a lifelong gamer starting off with uh, Pokemon games and Game Boy Advance and stuff like that. Uh, but it did broaden once I entered middle school, high school, uh, online gaming with friends. So we have titles like Maple Story, uh, League of Legends, um, things of that nature. And it's just like playing with other people. Um, and I never really like thought I would pursue it professionally or, or anything like that. Um, I mean, the space is unwelcome to people like me. Uh, and so it wasn't really an interest of mine until I got roped into it in college. And I was like, oh, I, I can create spaces for me. So really your, your relationship, it sounds like you've always had a strong relationship with the games, but it's the community that has changed. Is that, would that be fair to say? For you, in yeah. your perspective. Yeah, I, I was mostly just very insular, just like with my friends and stuff. Um, I, I think the first time I uh, understood what the gaming community was what was like uh, was 2014, Summoner's Con. Never happened again, uh, but it was this small, cute little con for, for League of Legends. Um, and you got to see all these streamers come out. You got to see a decorated space, uh, artist alley with lots of cool swag. Um, the voice actors were there with panels and stuff like that, uh, a bunch of cool folks. And just really like feeling the group excitement, the love for this game, for, for what we do and stuff like that. Um, that's when it like really like, clicked for me, I think. I, uh, Dr. Coward, I know we, we talked about her before we started recording. Um, she put out a question the other day on Twitter. What is the most right. you know, toxic yeah. um, gaming community right now? And what's the most accepting? Yeah. Uh, the, 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 I loved seeing that one of the most accepting was, was the city skylines group. Cause I'm a city builder. I love, I okay. love doing city yeah. building and community building event. And you know, those are non-competitive games in a lot of ways. But right. the one that kept coming back up was either Overwatch or League of Legends. Have you noticed a shift 
is it just that now there's more attention paid to League of Legends or has there, again, I, I talked to people who came up playing League of Legends years ago and it's not like there wasn't this a toxic segment of it, but it feels like there has been uh, such a push towards the competitive side that it's kind of taken or changed the community a bit. It was always toxic. Um, I, I haven't played in a long while, so I don't know how it compares to today. But uh, I think what we're seeing now is more pushback, um, more people being able to join together and say, like, this is not OK. Um, whether or not that has uh, a lot of impact, we're, we're still figuring that out. Um, but more people are talking about it now than, than before. Um, I actually, I remember back in those days, uh, my friends were being toxic, and I actually, like, drew the line there. I was like, I'm not going to play with you anymore. And this is not okay. It ended our friendship for like a year uh, till we came back. Um, but it's always had like these, these issues and in inherent to just the culture of the game. Um, so, yeah. Well, let me ask this then uh, again, somebody who, who recognized that there was a toxic side to the space. What would, and again, I, I'm asking this question. I, I'll, it's for those of you who can see me on stream or are watching this on YouTube, very cis white older male. Okay. So it's easy for me to ask this question. Um, and I don't ask this in an insulting way, but what would draw somebody who to a community that is toxic and again, may not feel so welcoming to you right out. Is it, was it your friend connections or what was the thing that drew you into that game? Uh, it was mostly because it's what my friends wanted to play. Um, I, and also, I think I was uh, in the middle of recognizing that uh, I don't enjoy competitive games that much. But whether that's the competitiveness itself or, or the communities around it, I'm still figuring that out as well. Uh, but what drew me was the fact that my friends were playing. Uh, it was a way to engage with them. Uh, and then personally, uh, even though it was a mess back then, uh, they're cleaning up now. I did love the lore. Uh, I absorbed the lore. Uh, uh, the stuff that they've trashed since, um, and, and the splash art. I love art. I love pretty things. So all of that stuff is cool. Um, yeah. It is a graphically beautiful game. And I it think is. too, given your role again at UCI, um, I think that you guys at UCI as a program as a whole, being one of the first major collegiate programs, I think hopefully put a different spin on what the community can look like. Yeah. Again, it, it wasn't it wasn't just the go into queue and find out who you're going to play with. It was again it was starting to put more of a community structure. One of the things I I still talk about to this day to people when they say, "What was it like to go to UCI?" I said, "Well, the arena was really nice. You know, they had the the seats for six people, but it was everything going on outside the arena. It was the the game tournament that was going on, the fighting game tournament. Mm -hmm. That was one of the things that really stood out to me. Was it wasn't just it wasn't just the focus on the six people who were your, you know, profession, your, your varsity gamers. Right. It was everybody around that space. Mm -hmm. That that's the thing that I think drew me in the most to it and just made everything feel so much more attainable, real, and, and not so, e well, I say attainable, but at the same time, I'm going to say not so easy to do because yeah. that, that sounded like that was a lot of work to build that of up. Of course, of course. Um, but again, like it's important to, Pay attention to your community, right? We have a huge Smash community at UCI. Why not give them space? Um, we have—it's a research institution. Why not give the researchers some space? Um, and then we're also uh, UCI was very conveniently located to uh, a lot of other—you know—there's lots of gaming folks in uh, Irvine and LA, so they were able to come out and stuff like that. Um, 
or being able to link up with student clubs uh, and allow them to do their thing. Uh, yeah, like I, I'm a big fan of like the more holistic approach, right? We shouldn't just be focusing on competition because uh, not everyone is about that. Um, yeah. Not me. I stink. Not me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, uh, last uh, big question for you, because again, working with AnyKey, working with Voice, and again, working with GG Tech, uh, and all of your experience, I, I keep reminding people of this because I, it, it's, I, no offense, it's it might be so hard for people to see just how important you have been in the growth of the collegiate scene. So if they don't know you, I'm going to, I, I will I will go to the mats, I will you know, I will fight anybody who says, who's this Hillary, Hillary fan person? I'll be like, dude, you just don't know how OG this person is. But I got to ask, what is that thing? And it, this could be from your current role or something you've seen in the past. Elements that are that a responsible scholastic gaming or esports program is going to have, in your opinion. Um, like if you're starting one tomorrow, what's that one thing you're like, yes, you have to have thing. this. Student involvement. One thing. If I only had to pick one, it's student involvement. Okay, if you had to pick some more, what are some of the other? What are some? Uh, well, I mean, it, it is a big one, yes. But what are some like the key things that? And I don't mean to. I'm not trying to blow off that answer. Yes, I agree with you 100. percent But for the, but what are some of the other key things that people are going to have to probably consider as well, too, that they may not consider? Yeah, um, a code of conduct really important. Um, figuring out what you will and will not allow in your space, uh, including the people. Um, because you know, so many, so often, like we're building a plane as we're flying it, right? And then we, we figure out we have some bad apples that, that you know, got in uh, in the beginning. And so being able to set the expectations from the beginning is so important. Um, and then have a plan, like uh, figure out what you're going to do about these different communities or about these different programs. How are you going to not focus on competition? Um, building the plane as we're flying, it means we're going to miss a lot of things as well. Um, and we're, we're so busy being like reactive that we don't have a lot of uh, resources left for the stuff that we really want to do. Um, so, so having that uh, intentionality about like, yes, I want to figure out how to work with uh, the Career Center at, at the campus, or I want to figure out how to start working with uh, local high schools in the area. Um, I think those things are really important. Yeah, knowing what your goals are and your priorities for sure. I, I'll say that the high school outreach is a huge one. Yeah. Um, I have never realized just how few, because I'm one who went from California growing up in the San Francisco area to Indiana to go to college, I never realized to me when I talk to a student as much now as I do, because there is so much recruiting going on with our, our scholar gamers, just how many of them want to just stay within 20 miles. They yeah. don't want to necessarily go, you know, five, six, seven states away across country. Yeah. Well, it's not just that it's expensive. Yes, there is that, but they, they also, some are just, they, they like the area in which they live. They don't, yeah care to go somewhere. So yeah. yes, those high school experiences, connections, I think are incredibly important. Uh, Hillary fan, it, this has been a pleasure to get you finally onto the podcast. It felt like years coming. Uh, Hillary again will be a panelist for the Purdue University Symposium Games Make a Difference. April 8th and 9th the, will be online, but if you're in the West Lafayette, Indianapolis, Chicago area, please come down and visit us. Registration is online. Hillary Fan, thank you for being a guest on the Academy of Esports podcast today. Thank you for uh, having me. It's been fun. Yeah, this has been a long time coming for sure.
That will do it for this week on the Academy of Esports. I've been your host, James O'Hagan. Esports are organized competitive video games allowing schools to redefine their athletic culture, diversify opportunities for student participation, promote good physical and mental health, increase collegiate scholarship pathways, and play games. We can never forget the importance of play. The mission of the Academy of Esports is to support these ideals. The vision of the Academy of Esports is for all students to experience the fun and joy of playing competitive video games. You may follow me on Twitter at Jim O'Hagan. That's at J-I-M-O-H-A-G-A-N and through the Academy of Esports account at T-A-O Esports. It's a great way to get the latest blog posts, podcast episodes, and news coming out of esports and education. And remember, you can continue your engagement by going to www.taoesports.com. You can also connect through Facebook at www.facebook.com taoesports. Thanks again for listening, and I look forward to our time again next week.